Happy Mother's Day and welcome to the Linked Up Church Podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, we have a special Mother's Day message from Dr. Betty Price entitled Godly Mothers. Let's go into the worship center and hear what God has for us today. Good morning, Linked Up Church. I just want to say how blessed I am to be here with you. I'm thankful for my spiritual son and daughter, Pastors Joel and Trish, and I'm blessed to be a part of what they're doing uh, continually. Uh, They're doing the best work that you could do on earth is to be a worker together with God, and they're doing a wonderful job, and I just thank God for them, and they're in my prayers continually. So anyway, again, thank you for inviting me, pastors. Also, I have been asked to speak to you uh, on this Mother's Day, and I believe God has a message for you. So my title today is Godly Mothers. So let's pray. Father, I praise and thank you again for the privilege to come together, minister to your people. I thank you that your anointing is upon me to minister the word that you have laid upon my heart. May the word go forth in clarity and revelation knowledge flow to meet the needs of the people that are gathered. And may those who are gathered have open ears and receptive hearts to hear and receive and then be a doer of the word that they hear that they may be blessed thereby. And Satan, I bind your power over this meeting this morning. You cannot hinder one person from receiving their spiritual need met. And Father, we will be careful to give you all the praise, glory, honor, adoration, and thanksgiving for what shall be accomplished by your word and by your spirit this day. So again, we thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. So my subject today for Mother's Day And may I say happy, blessed Mother's Day to all of you. Uh, I'm going to be speaking from the subject, Godly Mothers. Now, a mother could be several women, uh, can be a mother. Number one, a woman who has born a child. Number two, a stepmother. Number three, an adopted mother. Number four, a mother-in-law. Number five, a woman having the responsibility and authority of a mother. Then number six, an elderly woman used as a title of affectionate respect. That's Webster's Dictionary. Okay, a mother cares for, nourishes, and protects her children. Nourish means to feed the act or process of raising or promoting the development of training, educating, fostering. She is loving and kind. She submits to her husband as unto the Lord. She loves and respects him. Therefore, she is a godly example to her children. They rise up and call her blessed, and her husband also. He praises her. Now, mothers deserve to be honored God's way. Titus chapter 2, verses 3 to 7, it says, The older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, 
not slanderers, not given to much wine, and I say not given to no wine. Or if you want to have the wine, you have it by yourself at night and you go to bed. Okay, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands. Isn't that interesting that he tells us that we have to teach them, admonish them to love their husbands? I thought they loved their husbands when they got married. But you find out differently, you know, once you get married. So that's why we have to teach our children. Teach them to love their husbands, to love their children. Isn't that interesting? You carried a child for nine months, and you still need to be taught how to love your children. Anyway, that's what uh, Paul is writing to Titus uh, this, uh, this message, or Titus is writing this. Anyway, to be chaste, not only to love their children, but to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, Obedient to their own husbands. Oh, I bet we don't like the sound of that. That the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility. So we have to teach our children these things. Number one, it says to love their husbands. Number two, says to love their children. So we have to teach our children that. Because there is no greater task, responsibility, and privilege in this world than to make a home. And it is a blessing. There is no greater career than the career of homemaking. A woman's profession should not be before her husband and children. And unfortunately, some women do that. Women in ministry are some of the worst violators of this responsibility because sometimes when they feel like they're called uh, to uh, minister or called uh, as a woman in ministry, that they would leave the responsibility of the husband and children. But no, the husband's first and the children, then your ministry, because your ministry first should be to your husband and to your children. And children should come first in the heart of a mother, and she should forsake all except her husband to give her love, time, and attention to her children. And if we do that, mothers, we would have a better society today. The best friend any child will ever have on the face of this earth is a godly mother. Teach them to, number one, be discreet. discreet. <laughs> That's the same word translated temperate. Teach them to be temperate. She is to curb her desires and emotions. It's when you teach your children that. You have to teach them that. They don't automatically know these things. So you have to teach your children that. Teach them to be chaste. That's pure morally and sexually, to be pure in thought and act. You have to teach your children those things, and I did teach my children all of these things when I was bringing them up. If you don't know them, they'll just go down to the level of, people there are around or what their bodies feel like. So you have to teach them about uh, what to do in situations when they're growing up and, and other friends are having sex and all that. You have to tell them what to do. And that's what I used to do with my children, my daughters. I tell them, don't, you don't need to go somewhere with a boy by yourself at a certain age. You teach them what life is all about because they won't automatically know. So, Another thing is to teach them to be homemakers. 
Now that's a difficult time in this year, this, uh, these years and these times to teach them to be homemakers. Many don't seem to uh, know that. But anyway, I, I taught mine. The older ones was easier. The younger ones was a little harder. But anyway, I taught them to do that because the Bible says it, and they used to take care of the house. In fact, my older kids, they helped with the younger kids, and they took care of the house and helped, take, to, helped to take care of the younger kids. So, so you teach them uh, to be a homemaker. Keep, home, keep the home clean, neat, and presentable. So mothers who keep their homes and take care of their children have a full-time job. So husbands who need or expect their wives to work should do half of the housework and help care for the children. And so husbands need to think about that, that the wife can't go to work eight hours and then come home and do all the homework and the cooking and taking care of the children by herself. So you need to think about that husband if you want to be fair with your wife and to help the home be all that it should be. If both of you work, both of you split the work at home. And a woman who is not willing to make a home for her husband and children should stay single. Then we need to teach them to be good. And good means to be kind, caring, not idle, being a gossiper, and busybody. And there are too many women that take part in these types of things, too many gossip, too many busybodies, just into other people's business. And you really have enough to do if you take care of your own. And so the Bible is telling us what to do. So we need to learn to be obedient to the Bible and obedient to the Word. So I taught my children all of these things, and they are not any of this, uh, the things that I'm reading. That's, I've taught them to be kind, caring, not idle not gossiping, and busybody. They don't love to do any of that kind of thing. And then we have to pray for our children, train them, and use the rod of correction and spank them when needed. Now, I know that's not popular, but the Bible is relevant, so we need to obey the Bible. Otherwise, that's why we have what's going on in society now, because we haven't uh, taught the children, uh, as the Bible has said, and I know the, the law is trying to take over and raise our children for us, but we need to be obedient to what the Bible says so the society would be all that it should be if we would teach our children as the Bible says. Uh, Proverbs 22, 6 says to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So if you train your children in the way that God has told you to, they may stray, but he will not depart from what he has been taught, and he will come back. It may look to you like some of your children have gone astray and they're not following God now, but if you train them in the way they should go, they will not depart from it, and you can look for them to come back and follow God's way. Uh, Proverbs 22 says, 22, 15, says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. It says the rod of correction will drive it far from him. So now I don't know who you're going to listen to, the law or God, I mean the, the worldly law. If the, law go, if the laws of society goes against the law of God, we have to follow God's law. So if the child, it says foolishness, is bound up in the heart of a child because they don't know, but the rod of correction will drive it far, far from him. Well, we did use correction or the rod 
when we were raising our children, it doesn't mean for you to uh, beat up on them or, or what is the word I want? Abuse them. It doesn't mean that. But it means uh, the, the rod will correct them more than telling them to go and stand in the corner. Because while they're standing in the corner, they're thinking about what they can get into next. So I think it's better to obey God's word. And we did that with our children when we had to, and we did not hurt them. And I still think we should obey the word of God because if you don't, the, 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 the children will turn out doing stuff inside with a lot of the worldly things that are going on, and, and, and they will know what to do if you don't train them. And sometimes they need, a, they need like a little tap with a belt or a switch to correct them because that doesn't feel good. But while they're standing in the corner for our punishment, they're up there thinking about what they can get into next. So it's up to you. Uh, Proverbs 23, 13, uh, several scriptures that says, talked about the rod. Do not withhold correction from a child. For if you beat him with the rod, he will not die. So again, are we going to obey God? Or are we going to obey the laws of the world or the things that they're telling us that's uh, not of God? Then uh, Proverbs 23, 14 says, You shall beat him with the rod and deliver his soul from hell. So, are still, again, are we going to obey God's word? Or are we going to obey uh, what society says we can't do? Proverbs 19, 18 says, Chasten your child while there is hope, and do not set your heart on his destruction. So it's up to us. Chasten still means to correct your child or, or might have to spank the child while there is hope. And do not set your heart on his destruction. No, don't, don't let the child do what he wants to do because he doesn't know. Proverbs 13, 24 says, He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. So you will have to do some things to correct your child. I know we had to do that with our child. So I always, our children, so what I always tell parents, and you, can, you have to be led by the Spirit of God, how to raise your children, and I know a lot of them are for not spanking. But I just say spank if you need to spank them. And if they, get a, if they bruise easily, like I bruise easily and my kids bruise easily, I just say if he bruises easily, you keep him at home until the bruise leaves. Because this, those are decisions that we have to make as parents. for our children to be the best that they can be. And it did not hurt any of mine. It caused them to be obedient when they had to be obedient in school. They never got into trouble. They've never been to jail. And they're all serving God, and they've all worked right here in the ministry with us on their own. We didn't make them do it, but they chose to do it when they saw that we needed the help in ministry. So I know that uh, we can do that, and it's not going to hurt them. So thank God uh, all young people are not going for what society is saying. Because I think about my, I have my uh, little four-year-old great-granddaughter. She's like four going on 24, and she is, she is so smart, and she can do some stuff. And her mother will spank her, and, uh, and, it, and it doesn't hurt her. So, and she doesn't get upset long. She knows uh, that causes her to do what she needs to do. Just give a little tap that we don't do this in this house. And so 
you have to make up your mind that that's what you have to do. And that's what I did with mine. And like I say, God has brought them through. So I think we ought to obey God more than obey what society is telling us to do concerning raising our children. So anyway, you can take that. That's my take on it. So I know a lot of people don't go for that now, uh, spanking the children. But I still think God's way is the best way. And, and you'll raise better children. Anyway, moving on. You also have to teach your children to obey you. You have to teach them to obey you. Otherwise, they wouldn't know to do it. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So he's telling us what to do. He's telling us uh, about the children first, that they should obey their parents, but we have to teach them to obey us. And then he tells the fathers, to not, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And so you can't just uh, be uh, so super spiritual with your children and, and uh, take everything from them like uh, we have had some members in our ministries before, before that have been very, very difficult on their children when they came into the church. Now, they had been out in the world living the life and doing everything they wanted to do, but when they came into the church and they brought their children in the church, they didn't want their children to have any fun. They didn't want them to uh, listen to certain kinds of music, uh, and they didn't want the children to, um, let me see, what's another thing? They didn't want their children to uh, look at certain movies, look at certain things on TV. One person, they took everything off the TV but Christian television. And so the children were miserable, and they said we were better off when we weren't Christians. So you have to use wisdom when you're raising your children. We let our children listen to the music, as long as it wasn't devilish music, if they wanted to listen to it. Just don't listen to it, you know, where I have to listen to it. But they could go to their own room and, and, and uh, listen to certain kinds of music that wasn't uh, devilish and stuff that children like. The Bible says in First uh, uh, Corinthians 13, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. But when I became grown up, then I, I did as I should do as a grown up person. But when they are children, let them be children. And they'll grow out of all the stuff that, uh, some of the stuff that they like that you may not like, and maybe some of the music or or, or movies and stuff. You just watch it and see what they're doing. But don't take everything from them and tell them they have to look at everything Christian that's Christian. They can look at stuff that's sound and good, but it might not necessarily be, uh, it might not necessarily be a Christian movie or something Christian that they're looking at. Anyway, you train them and you do what you're supposed to do and the children will turn out okay. I'm a living witness for, uh, about that. So another thing, teach them God's word. It's up to you to teach them God's word. That's God's care, God's nourishment. Matthew 4, 4, and Jesus is speaking. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So God's word tells you everything you need to do in bringing up your children and everything you need to do in life, really, if you, uh, you know, so many, they don't, like I say, they don't believe the word of God is relevant now. They're just so 
into what the world is doing, and that's absolutely scary. But uh, I believe if those who will do it God's way, it's, the life is not boring. I lived this life for this, or, well, I shouldn't say 88 years, but I got saved when I was about seven or eight, and I've never been bored or, or you know, feeling messed up or bad because I was a Christian. I didn't care what others did. I just felt like I wanted to do things God's way. And as a result of it, as a result of living like that, God has brought everything into my life that I have desired. Now, not that I'm not saying I haven't gone through temptation, trials, or tests, because that's part of the life. That's the warfare. But God will bring you through anything that you face if you are obedient to his word. So let's teach our children the word of God has something to say about everything you face in life. And so you want to do things God's way and, and, uh, and don't think you're odd for doing it. I know, you know, people might think it now, like I say, because uh, the world is doing all kinds of stuff. It's really, 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 really uh, bad. And so as long as I'm here, I'm going to say what God's word says. We need to teach them to be discreet, to, to take care of themselves the right way, do it God's way, and you will come out, oh, always with the peace of God abiding in you. So again, it's up to us to do it, and we, and we can do it because God wouldn't tell us to do something that we could not do. Now also, God's protection. We have to teach them that God protects you. There's verses in there to, that tells you that. Psalm 21.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, I usually would give those scriptures to you twice. I will start that now. Uh, so that was Psalm 27.1, because you can re look these up later. Then Psalm 91.7. Psalm 91.7 says, A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you, as long as we are abiding in his word, and his word is abiding in us, and we are obedient to his word. Then Psalm 91.9, Psalm 91.9, it says, Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place. So if you made the Lord, even the most high your dwelling place, God is there with you, so you will go through whatever you may face at a given time, because he's there to protect you. And then Psalm 91.11, again, all these are from Psalm 91. 91.11 says, For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. So he's given us enough word to live this life and overcome anything that we face because you don't have anything better. In John 15.5, Jesus says that without him, you can do nothing. So that means with him, you can do all things. That's right. So it's up to us to choose him wouldn't you want to know somebody that says without him you can do nothing, but with him you can do all things? And then in Philippians chapter 2, a verse, one of the verses there says uh, he's given, God has given Jesus a name above every name. So wouldn't you want to know the person that has a name above every name? But I know so many people believe they don't believe the Bible, but Anyway, I chose to believe it, and so, like I said, I've been here 88 years, and I've never been disappointed. Anyway, uh, moving on, Psalm 112. This is what I taught 
Well, I taught Frederick this because I, I, hadn't, I hadn't come into this one when I had the girls. They were raised on like Psalm 23 and other verses. But the Psalm 112, I love this for family verses, the whole 112. It says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Fear means to reverence the Lord. That man is blessed. It said, blessed is the man who fears or reverences the Lord or respects the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. So again, you have to delight greatly in his commandments. And his commandments is his word. So if you think the word is boring, you know, and I don't know why people do, but many of them think that the word is boring, but the word is life. And so that's what I've taken uh, the word for. So he says, who delights greatly in his commandments. That's God telling you what to do. He goes on to say his descendants or his seed will be mighty on earth. And God is saying that, your descendants, your seed will be mighty on earth. He goes on to say the generation of the upright will be blessed. So we as Christians, we're the upright. And it says the generation of the upright will be blessed. And I believe that. And so that's why I stay with God. The next verse goes on to say, next verse, verse 3 says, wealth and riches will be in his house. And I don't know why so many Christians teach that we shouldn't have wealth or riches. But the Bible says it in more places than one. If you're obedient to the word and do what the word of God says, it says wealth and riches will be in your house. And I've experienced that coming from a little poor girl, just doing what God's word says, being obedient to his word, giving as he said, doing the things that he said. I have experienced that. I, I don't even, I, I almost, my life almost looks like a miracle, a miracle to me is the way God has brought me through all the things that we face in life. And so many times, many people, they don't trust God. It seems like you would trust God, the creator of the heaven and earth, but many people don't want to. In fact, Satan has blinded their minds. But it has been nothing better than serving God and, and learn, learning to do it God's way. Now, wealth and riches is not going to automatically be in your house just because you're a Christian. You have to do what the Word says. You have to do your part. And if you do your part, you will experience having wealth and riches in your house. I'm not saying you'll be wealthy, but you'll certainly have more than enough. Rich means having more than enough. And so, again, it's because the generation of upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. All of it comes from righteousness, though. We have to live the right God kind of life. Uh, number, verse 4 says, unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. I love this whole 112th Psalm. It says, unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. And we're going to face darkness sometimes, but just think how wonderful it is that we don't have to stay in the dark because we have the light of Christ. We're going to go through the dark. Also, it moved, goes on to say, he is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. You can have anything better than living for God. A good man deals graciously and lends. So how could you lend if you were poor and you didn't have anything to help anybody with? God wants you to have more than enough. But we have to do it God's way. And I'm a living witness if you do it God's way. 
you will come out on top and he will bless you more than you have ever thought or could be blessed. Goes on to say, um, surely he will never be shaken. That's this righteous man. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. We don't have to be afraid when evil tidings come our way. We just have to trust God. He's given us the word to trust him no matter what. Uh, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. So we, we, we get the benefits of God's word by trusting in him, and he's given us so much uh, in his word that's so beautiful and helping that there's no way you can be blessed by being obedient and doing what he says. So he says we do, we do not have to be afraid of evil tidings. When you hear things, you, that's when you trust God. His heart is established. That's the righteous man, the one that fears God. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. And so, see, we have to know God's word to do that. Because even, you know, when you're uh, a Christian, you don't automatically know these things. You have to know that they're in the word. Because for a Christian, I was so afraid uh, for so many years, I mean, afraid of everything, afraid of the dark, afraid of dogs, afraid of people if they looked at me the wrong way. Just was scary, scary, scary until uh, I, I heard about uh, demons. And when I heard about demons, then my fear was, oh, it was doubly fear. So I had to get into God's word. Uh, see, 2 Timothy, I believe it's 2 Timothy, where it says uh, either 4 or 7, that God has not given me the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So you have God's word to back you up when you're facing something or something that makes you fearful. And I took that verse in the 91st Psalm. I learned all those verses one time in a, in a whole, in, a, in an afternoon because I was really a scary Christian. And then I, I learned uh, that God's word was there and God's word is life. So as I program myself, my spirit with the word of God, I got over uh, the, the fears, especially fears like when I heard about demons, and I was already afraid of the other stuff, and I, the, somebody was teaching on demons, and they was telling, uh, saying in that class that a demon was everywhere. He, the person that was teaching, he said, I went in the bathroom and spit up a demon, and then people in the class, they all start saying, well, I got 38 demons. I got, I got uh, 15 demons. I got all these demons, and I would look at those people, and I was so scared. I didn't ever feel like I had a demon, but they were scary around me saying that, and so that's when I learned God's word on it, and then I came through it, so I'm not afraid of uh, any, of the, any of that kind of stuff anymore. I don't, I'm not afraid of evil child. I'll stand and face anything. I know that God's going to bring me through whatever I have to face, and he has proven himself and has done that for me. So again, it's again uh, trusting God. Uh, verse 8 again says, His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. See, if you don't have anything, how are you going to disperse abroad and give to the poor? See, I didn't know any of that, but I always wanted to be a giver. And so once I learned how I could be blessed and not have to do anything wrong to be blessed and people are you know there's so many people that are so evil just because we preach on prosperity 
uh, it doesn't mean that, that, uh, that we're a prosperity preacher necessarily, but so many people talk against it, and, and they could do the same thing that we did. All you have to do is do what God says. Be a giver. Given and shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Shall men give into your bosom? He that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. And that's all we did, and that's how we ended up having more than enough that we could help somebody. So that's why it says he has, dirt, he has dispersed abroad in verse 9. He has given to the poor. That's what I love to do. I love to help people. And I, we've given ourselves way out of debt for so many years, and that's what I do with, uh, with uh, the money that I have left. My husband let me do what I wanted to do with my money, so I would give it, give it away as I saw people that had need. And so, I, and, and it's a joy in doing that. So that's what, we, that's what life, the Christian life is all about, to help the poor, help the widows, help the orphans. That's what I do. And every Christian can do it, but you have to get there. But first, you have to obey God and what you're supposed to do, and God will see to it that you have more than enough. That's why he says you can lend and not borrow. It goes on to say, I'll read verse 9 again, he has dispersed to the, he has dispersed abroad, and I do help missionaries. He has given to the poor, and we help the poor here in our city. His righteousness endures forever. His horn, horn means strength. His horn or strength will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and be grieved. They won't be able to understand how this is happening to you. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. So you don't want to go the way of the wicked and do what wicked people are doing, but that's what so many people are doing nowadays and even Christians living like the world. So moving on, we as mothers should... And the older women in the church should be examples to the younger women and men. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. Uh, says, I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. This is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. He says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded in you also. So this is the Apostle Paul telling Timothy about his grandmother and his mother. He says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded in you also, meaning in Timothy also. Uh, so uh, Timothy's parents, Eunice and Lois, are valuable models for Christian mothers and grandmothers. See, we can do what they did. That's what I like to do. We are the family of God, and many of us can be and some should be godmothers. That is spiritual parenting. Paul refers to Timothy and Titus as the sons in the faith. And, they, and they're not really his natural sons. Uh, Titus chapter 1, verse 4. Titus chapter 1, verse 4, it says, To Titus, a true son in our common, common faith. Then 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. In 1 Timothy 
Timothy chapter 1, verse 2 says, To Timothy, a true son in the faith. And 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2 says, To Timothy, a beloved son. So this is that showing where when the Apostle Paul wrote to them, he called them his son. True son to Titus and Timothy, and then a beloved son, he said, to Timothy again. So they were not his flesh and blood sons, but young men he considered to be his spiritual children. Sometime when someone becomes a Christian, they may be disowned by their family, and sometimes that does happen. So we have an opportunity to play a very important role in a child's life or a young Christian's life by being a mentor to them. See, we can, there's so many things that we can do as mothers and be a helper as a mother. Also be an example to them of the Christian life by our walk. We live before them and we become mothers uh, to them. Uh, some may be from out of state and some may have unbelieving parents and relatives. So you can become parents to them to help them. And uh, sometimes they're like, a, or they're a single parents. And a lot of times they uh, need help. So again, it's up to us as Christians to uh, be able to look around and see the things that need to be done as uh, mothers. I mean, I have, I could not even tell you how many spiritual children I have that call me mother. And I can be there for them when they need me. I can... I can help them, and then they can also end up helping me as I become older now and can't do all the stuff that I need to do. I have spiritual children that look out and help me, and then just to think of my own children that I brought up and raised right now. That's why you treat your children. You train them and bring them up in the right way. And then when you're in need, there is no way that your children are not going to be there for you. And my husband passed uh, last year. My daughter, Cheryl, she moved right in with me, and she was, uh, has been just a blessing, will do every single thing for me that I need doing, and uh, anything that could make my life easier, because I'm still teaching and sharing, and so she's there to, to help me with everything that I need to do. And you don't realize how important that is and what a blessing that is when you are blessed like that and you have needs and somebody is right there to help you do what you need to do in every kind of way to get my clothes out. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. And uh, she has a, this little granddaughter that comes to stay with us. And I'm going I'm to tell this because it was so funny. So you even have your grand, your great, it's a great granddaughter that uh, come to stay with Cheryl, which is Cheryl's granddaughter. But anyway, Cheryl's always helping me and she's putting stuff out that, to make life easier for me, to go in my drawers to get stuff. And this particular night, we were all in the room together, and her name is Carly, and so I was either paying some attention to her and not listening to Cheryl, that she had got everything out that I needed, and I was going to do the same thing over. So she had to raise her voice, which she was perfectly right in doing it, raise her voice to get my attention to tell me, Mama, I already did that for you. And so anyway, but because she raised her voice to try to get my attention a couple of times, my little great-granddaughter got so upset with her grandmother for raising her voice at her great-grandmother, but she calls me grandmother, my granddaughter does. 
and she got so upset with her and she was really upset and she uh, went to tell her grandmother, which is Cheryl, <laughs> that she was very upset with her and she, uh, Cheryl would have to show you what she did. I mean, she performed for her and told her, you can't be talking to my mother, my grandmother like that. You were mean to her. You can't do that. So you're going to have your little, all of them looking after you when you've been good to people. And so, so that story was so funny. Cheryl would have to tell it. So later on that night, she and uh, her granddaughter were playing a game. And as, uh, as that night went on, Carly won the game. And she went and told her, uh, her grandmother, she says, you lost the game because you were mean to grandmother. So be good to your children. Be, look around and see people that you can help. And there's, oh, there's nothing that God would hold, will withhold from you. All those who walk uprightly, he says in Psalm 84, 11, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So as a mother, you will reap the benefits of being a good mother yourself by doing what you should do. And so there's always something you can do as a mother. Like I say, my friend came uh, and helped me. And even when I didn't have way back there, I wasn't always in the position that I am now. Back there when my children were younger, I didn't have as much. And my friend could always find a dollar or something. And I couldn't find a dollar. I, couldn't, I just didn't have it. But she would help me. She would buy stuff for my children, the special holidays and stuff, and do stuff like that. And uh, I remember when we first had our first little church, and I didn't know, uh, I think had we come into time? I think we had. Anyway, we had learned about giving by that time, but our little tiny church, it was a small little church, and we redecorated it. And I remember uh, asking my friend, was she getting something new for the first Sunday? And she said, no, I'm not getting anything new for myself, but I'm going to buy you something. So we can go and help people like that. So you... You can be like motherly to so many people. Like I, I, I help people whose parents maybe didn't treat them right or, or um, like I say, I don't want to be too personal. But anyway, I do help orphans, I help widows, and I help the poor because that's what we're called to do and we can do that as mothers. And that's why I teach the, uh, our women here at church. There are a lot of things that you can do to uh, help mothers. You can help new mothers. Go and like uh, when someone has a new child, a new baby. I remember I used to go over, that's when I didn't have any money that I could give people. I would go over and help them, like clean their house and cook for them until they could get up and, and uh, take care of their baby. So it's always something that you can do as a Christian, as a mother, and uh, be a blessing to the world, to the body of Christ. So this is the life that I have lived as a mother. I have enjoyed my time as a mother and a grandmother and a great-grandmother. It's the best life that you could live. And if you live before uh, your children and before other people's children, there's nothing that God won't allow a blessing to come to you. I have not regretted doing anything that I've ever had to do and I still like to do to help people and to help people's children like I say, and to, to give. So anyway, that is my life, and uh, I just thank God uh, for having God's Word and knowing how to follow God's Word and raising my children and teaching them right from wrong. So again, this is all I have in my notes. So I trust 
that it's been a blessing to you and you'll be able to use something that I have shared. In fact, I really meant to share my story with, uh, ooh, and, I'm, and I see I forgot it. When I did the 112th Psalm, that was my favorite psalm uh, to teach my children. And I, I used to, I remember teaching Frederick this psalm. I've told this story many times. I would teach him and we would uh, sit up together just before he would go to bed and we would read the Bible. And he could, because he was young, he could remember the scriptures better than I could, uh, faster than I could. So the next night or something, when we would go over the scriptures, we would start uh, saying them and then I would forget and then he would uh, tell me what they were. So one day, he was about six years old, and we were here at the church because we had the school here. And uh, he, it was time for me to go home because I did work at church, but I would go home to fix dinner before we would come back that night for Bible study. So anyway, he wanted to run to the gym and play with his friends, and I told him he couldn't, and he was so upset with me. So he got in the car, and he was just crying all the way while I was driving him home. So I turned my uh, radio on so I couldn't hear him crying. So when he stopped crying, then I turned the radio off. And then he told me these words. He says, uh, I don't want you for a mother anymore, and I'm never going to help you with your scriptures. So all that did was made me happy that he had learned those scriptures. And, and uh, he wasn't going to help me because he was upset with me at that time. But just thank God, he, he took time. I mean, he loved that time that we had in learning the scriptures and the fact that he could learn them better than I could. And so now as a result of uh, me teaching him, just think he is now teaching the word of God and is a very good teacher of the word. So it just pays to do whatever you can do to help your children, but above all, teach them God's word, teach them to live right, teach them not to want to be so worldly and do things that the world does, dress like the world. I mean, it's terrible now the way people dress and, and uh, you know, they, you may as well not have any clothes on nowadays. I mean, the way they do stuff and uh, uh, the way they wear stuff where you can see everything. And like I said, as I've said before, you don't need to uh, be that naked letting all of your breasts out because if you put clothes on, people can still see that you have breasts. So, but this day and time, uh, you, you really need to teach your children because there's so much out there calling for their attention and making them think that the things of the world are the things that you uh, would want, but the, those things you won't end up well, you won't end up good uh, doing those kinds of things that the world does. So anyway, I pray that uh, this message has reached you and uh, has blessed you in some way. So thank God. Thank you for having me and continue to be blessed, Linked Up Church. Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we want to invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away, and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He died, rose from the grave, and He is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. 
As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name, praise God. We are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations. We are so excited that you made the decision to get connected to God. Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit us at linkedupchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, view past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkedupchurch.com or text Get Connected to 94000. Thanks again for listening. Have an amazing week, and we look forward to connecting with you.